Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. One of the most interesting, most important companies in the world right now is Moderna. This little biotech company that almost nobody had ever heard of until a couple years ago, this company built on the wild idea of making mRNA and putting it into people's cells. This company has suddenly delivered COVID vaccines to hundreds of millions of people including, full disclosure, to me. And maybe the most interesting thing about the story of Moderna is that it doesn't start with the founding of the company back in 2010. It starts 10 years earlier with the founding of another company, a company called Flagship Pioneering. Flagship Pioneering is a company that makes companies. Flagship has created dozens of companies, several of which have gone public, Pretty much all of them have something to do with biology, and they tend to be pretty out there. Companies using bacteria as medicine, companies trying to figure out how farms can do more to pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, and of course, companies trying to figure out all the things you can do with RNA. Companies like Moderna. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? the show where I talk to entrepreneurs and engineers about how they're going to change the world once they've solved a few problems. My guest today is Nubar Afayan. He is the founder of Flagship Pioneering and the co-founder of Moderna. And the problem I wanted to talk with Nubar about is the problem he started Flagship to solve. How do you turn the unstructured, chaotic way that most entrepreneurs start companies into a repeatable, systematic process? And what can we learn about that from the story of Moderna? The origins of flagship pioneering, Nubar's company, the company that started Moderna, they go back to the beginning of his career as an entrepreneur. He saw at the time that venture capitalists had a sort of 
unfair advantage over entrepreneurs like him because they got to see into so many different companies all getting built at the same time. I was interested in the model that venture capitalists used. And what I observed in the early phase of my career is just how smart all these people seemed. And then after a while, I realized, well, they're, they're too, they can't all be that smart. <laughs> and it occurred to me that they had seen so many attempts at this with so many different people of different backgrounds, compositions of teams that were only experienced, only inexperienced, uh, the science, the IP strategy, the markets. So when you take it all together, they were learning at a massive, massive rate that which entrepreneurs need to learn, but never can learn in one go, go round. And so I thought, why can't the knowledge assembly practice experimenting and failing and learning be available to an entrepreneur? So all of those things kind of combined in getting me interested in this notion that what if there was a structure where entrepreneurs such as myself could take experience they had gotten, let's say in one in one instance, but then started diversifying it and learning in parallel and then got really good at it. And those are the things that led to the conception of flagship in 2000. Starting a company that starts companies almost seems like cheating in a weird way. Like when you get the, the genie in the bottle and you get three wishes, it's like wishing for more wishes, right? Um, you know, I, I've never seen a story which starts with, you know, some a genie offered somebody three wishes and the first wish was another genie bottle. Yeah, it's, right? a, it's a loophole. That would have right? been like a smart a answer. Loophole. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a smart answer. So it really is a kind of a curious thing as to why people don't do it. And I, I can trace it back, especially back in the 25 years ago, to the fact that the field of entrepreneurship was a relatively young field. Early on, it was this kind of mystical activity. And you had certain personalities that kind of were able to raise money and govern, you know, create teams. There's a whole mythology, right? It's like the like hero's journey, right? Where there's this one person who has a vision that nobody else believes in and only they can build the company. I mean, I feel like what you're building is sort of the antithesis of that. Well, exactly. Entrepreneurship as an activity today is, it today used to be, and, and, and hasn't changed so much, is, is very much improvisational. There's a lot of kind of almost a, a romantic side to it. There is chaos and there is this struggle to survive. And, and it, it, while all of those things are really good kind of spices in a meal, it is the meal in entrepreneurship. There is nothing else. <laughs> you, you don't point to, and we're developing products and we're solving unmet needs. Those things almost become kind of like the boring part of the story that people want to fast forward through that part of the episode. So and it did occur to me in thinking of parallelizing this, that actually all those parts can benefit from being more efficient, more effective, more predictable, and more planful. If there is this idea that you can build a system to create companies and, and that, that the system maybe ultimately can work better, at least better in some settings, let's say, than the sort of visionary entrepreneur, what does that say about you in particular? Like, can you build such a good system that you personally become replaceable? Oh, yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> So Nubar set up this company, Flagship Pioneering, to solve the entrepreneurship problem. But how does it actually work? And how did it lead to the creation of Moderna? That is after the break. 
You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. The automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Now we're going back to the show. So in the first part of the conversation, Nubar and I were talking abstractly about this problem he set out to solve. 
How do you shift entrepreneurship starting companies from this mythological hero's journey into a repeatable systematic process? In the next part of the conversation, Nubar gave me an answer. He told me the story of Moderna as a case study for how flagship pioneering, his company, has started to solve this problem, has started to create a system for creating new companies. The story of Moderna starts in 2010, when Nubar had a meeting with a Harvard scientist who was studying mRNA. mRNA, by the way, is a molecule that basically tells cells in the body what protein to make. Academic researchers had been experimenting with mRNA for a while by this point, but they kept hitting problems when they tried to find clinical applications. And in the middle of this meeting with the Harvard scientist, Nubar thinks, if we could make mRNA in the lab and inject it into the body, the results could be incredible. We could use mRNA to tell a patient's cells what to make. So I come back from the meeting and I talk to some of the team here and we say, hey, let's launch an exploration. And it starts as an act of imagination. Uh -huh. It is not an act of reason. And in <laughs> fact, one of my side, I'd say, kind of, I won't call it a rant. Call it a rant. You know, a, yeah, a side rant would be the degree to which our education systematically discourages the use of imagination uh -huh. in creating the world we want to create versus relying overly on analysis and reason as the only way to make progress. You want to try and be unreasonable to some extent. We need to be unreasonable in order to come up with leaps that eventually seem reasonable. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So in the case of what will become Moderna, you have this, this unreasonable idea. Uh, let's use mRNA to get the body to make drugs inside the body. Uh, you start this first step, this thing you call an exploration, which means uh, which means what? You have this small team studying the state of the art, going out and talking to experts about this idea. And what kind of reactions are you getting from the experts? So the way they react is to say, the RNA will be washed out of the body in 10 minutes. How are you going to make proteins for weeks? Uh, how are you going to get into the right cell types? By the way, there's all sorts of other immune reactions you're going to have to deal with. Um, how are you going to make it? Nobody ever designed and made RNA. And so all those selection pressures causes you, causes us very specifically, to go back and try to come up with ways to overcome those, let's say, dogmatic objections to based on the present state of the art. And so, because you might say, well, why don't you just ignore them and just go in the lab and do it? And the reason it turns out for us anyway is that we find that these initial hypotheses become refined and refined and refined before we want to go in and spend the money building a company. Uh -huh. So that's a really important thing. We don't build just any company. We build companies that have gone through a significant upfront set of iterative refinements. That's a process of a couple of months. Okay. It's a handful of people, three, four people, and it's a, it's a couple of months. And we iterate, iterate, iterate internally until we get to a point by the fall where we say, you know what, we're going to make a go of this because that we think we have a good sense of the range of things that have to be right for this to work. We can test for them. And we don't start the company. We actually start what we call a proto-company. Okay. That's the first phase. Okay. What is a proto-company? So a proto-company is a prototype of a company, just like you make prototypes of every product that you make. But remarkably, there is no such thing as a prototype of a company. Uh -huh. People just make companies. Uh -huh. And a prototype of a company is where, just like in a regular product, you get to beat it up and try to kill it. And that's exactly what we do. And so is it called Moderna yet? You have this idea and it's like proto-Moderna? No, it's LS18 is the proto-company. Say it again. LS18. LS is the name 
of the entity that got incorporated uh -huh. to become eventually, if things went forward, Moderna. Why LS18? Oh, it's the 18th such thing we did. Okay. It's the 18th proto-company you had ever made. Exactly. And today we're at number 90, uh -huh. uh, as an example. Why do you do that? Why do you give it just a number at that stage? Oh, you know, when you're trying to create an institution uh, and set of behaviors, one of the things I knew literally on day one going into creating this whole thing in 2000 was that people hang on to their ideas and emotionally, almost romantically connect to them and they never can kill them. Uh -huh. And I wanted to create a safe zone during which the, the question was, what is the falsifying experiment that will kill the hypothesis so that we don't go forward? Uh -huh. Well, guess what? If you give something a name, worse yet, a name you really like, your pet dog's name, some you know Greek god's name, whatever, well, you try to kill it. So you give it a number instead of a name to make it easier to kill. Disposable, exactly. By the way, I should say, product companies for us are like a one to $2 million dollars six months to 12 months okay. plus or minus process. Okay. It is not a license to hunt for the next three years okay. and $10 million. To, that's a very important discipline. So a key part of doing that is to decide what are the key experiments that you want to do first in order to try to kill it. We needed to convince ourselves that we could actually make things and, and try them in animals and have them make a protein. You know, this notion that now we go around saying mRNA is the code of life and we can put it in and we can make any protein we want. Yeah, $2 billion later, <laughs> we could do that. But on the early days, nobody had shown that you could actually make the correct protein, folded the correct way in, in animal models, not humans yet. And so we need to convince ourselves of that. We did work on that in, in small animals, mice. And then we had to believe is that we could actually somehow formulate these things so they can get into cells a year or so, nine months year of experimental work that we engaged with within the context of LS18, which was renamed a couple of months later, Moderna, as we started getting ourselves up and running. I but, just want to, I yeah. just want to pause. So LS18, I have the number right? Sorry to remember yes. the number. That's the point, right? Yeah, LS18 yeah. becomes Moderna, but at that time, you're not even thinking of vaccines yet. Is that right? Well, let me say it this way. We thought of every possible use you could make of every kind of molecule. So vaccines was definitely on tables of things we could do. But by no means did our preliminary analysis suggest that we should do vaccines, let alone only vaccines. Uh -huh. And the reason was because our dream, our imagination, had us making any protein in the body. Uh -huh. And a relatively small subset of the proteins that are made in the body uh, is actually for vaccines. Yeah. And so we were working on cancer and we were dreaming of cardiovascular disease. So the vaccine part was a transition that started happening three, four years into the development of the company. A long time, a long time into the company. Oh, for sure. And probably a good billion dollars of capital having gone into it wow. by before. Now, back in 2014, 13, when we started going down this path, of course, it was a pretty crappy, for lack of a better word, marketplace because vaccines were the domain of two or three pharma companies that had a complete monopoly over the space. The development and regulatory approval of them was extremely slow, very, very costly. And at the end, you couldn't charge much for them. So the reason the biotech industry, I think you'd be hard pressed to find biotech companies that worked on vaccines was that. And so investors, capital providers simply didn't want to go there because it was generally written off as an area for major innovation. But we weren't, we didn't really care as much about that because all we wanted was the proof 
of principle in humans that this can even be done. You wanted something so that thought, would work. Yeah, in humans. Yeah. And so in 2014, going into 15, we entered our first clinical trial with two, quite ironic, people haven't quite realized this yet, ironic in what I'm about to say, two strains of influenza huh. that had not previously been in humans for which we wanted to make a prophylactic vaccine in case someday they jump from birds or swine hmm. into humans. In case there was a and flu so pandemic, was, basically, some bingo, terrible flu bingo. pandemic. Yeah. Exactly. So we just took a very safe road, tried it, and sure enough, we showed in the first instance that that first attempt in humans could make neutralizing antibodies to both of those strains. And we felt like, okay, at least we know we can make proteins and that they do what we say they do. That's five years into it. Great. So because of all of this, because of the decade you had spent figuring out how to build a company that builds companies, and then the years after that, turning an idea into LS18, into Moderna, into a company that makes vaccines, because of that whole 20-year arc, you're ready, essentially, when this new virus emerges at the end of 2019 to very quickly make a COVID vaccine. Exactly that. We worked for many, many years to put this platform into existence. In a minute, the lightning round, including Nubar's tips for solving hard problems and one weird trick for knowing when to shut down a company or a proto-company. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism, and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point, and market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off, but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized 
for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. If this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're going to close with the lightning round. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's working on a hard problem? Um, work both from the present forward, that is from what you know to solve something, and also work future backwards, which is imagine the problem already solved and see if you can backtrace how you got there. Good. Okay, two more. Um, do you have any rules of thumb for knowing when to shut down a project? Um not uniform rules, but I think that you have to keep the resistance up, resistance meaning pressure, in order for the team to conclude that they're going through more and more complicated rationalizations using longer and longer sentences to justify why they should stay alive. <laughs> Sentence length is a good is a good heuristic. I like that. And by the way, that's one of the biggest misunderstood things in the startup world is that more money leads to better companies. Lower money uh, can just as easily lead to worse companies because it causes persistence of companies that don't feel that pressure. And so I think one of the key things is the pressure that comes from raising capital, the pressure that comes from being challenging. I think these are all really, really important to produce the end result of deciding not to go forward. Uh, I got to add one question because you talked about money being a problem. You just raised billions of dollars, which on the one hand, congratulations. On the other hand, is that going to make it harder to do what you do? I mean, there's scale. There's, as you said, having more money can make it harder to keep the pressure on. Is that hard, having all that money? Because it took us a long, long time to get to larger pools of capital, the process and the discipline and the culture precedes the capital. And all of those are ways to defy the capital availability and keep the pressure on. Okay, last one. Uh, if everything goes well, what problem will you be working on in, say, 10 years? Um, honestly, unfathomable. I could tell you what problem we'd be working on today, 10 years ago. Let me answer it in this way. We don't start with either problem or solution. We try to invent both, make them up, and then we try to match them. In that regard, 
what problems will be visible even at the horizon and what solutions will be imaginable will dictate what we work on. So really the answer to the what problem are you going to be working on in 10 years question is like, you don't even know the problem yet. And that's sort of the point. Like on some level, your job is to go out and discover problems. A hundred percent, both problems and imaginable solutions. Nubar Afayan is founder and CEO of Flagship Pioneering and co-founder of Moderna. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo, edited by Robert Smith, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein. We'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Jacob. Did you know that you can listen to What's Your Problem on Amazon Music? And you can stream your favorite albums and artists in the app so you can do all of your listening in one place. Plus, Amazon Prime members get access to ad-free podcasts from other podcast networks like Wondery and Amazon-exclusive shows. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app, or just ask your Alexa device to play the podcast What's Your Problem on Amazon Music.